Hey, can you give it up for Cam, our worship team, Pastor GJ, and our Evident Kids? So, so good. Well, hey, my name is Josh. I'm lead pastor here at Evident Church, and welcome to Easter at Evident. And whenever and wherever you're watching this from, thank you so much for being a part of our online community. It is going to be an incredible day. Uh, I love it when you interact with us, so please take a minute and let us know where you're, where you're worshiping from. Post in the comments. We love that you're a part of this online community, and it would mean a lot to us to have you like and even share. Today, millions and millions of followers of Jesus around the world are coming together like never before to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And it's this event um, that sets Christian, the Christian faith apart from every other world system, a risen Savior. And today marks the culminating victory of Jesus over sin, death, hell, and the grave. And today we are coming together with one voice declaring boldly and loudly, like Christians have for 2,000 years, Jesus is alive. So I want you to do something with me really quickly. Uh, use this in the comments or in your homes. Um, I'm going to say a phrase and you say a phrase in response. It goes like this. He is risen and you say, He is risen indeed. Go ahead and say it out loud, post in the comments. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And what a historic day and time. What a season. Right? The season won't allow us to come together in person, but it cannot stop us from lifting up our voice uh, to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And while we weep with those who weep, we also celebrate and recognize that God is at work. Just this past few weeks, thousands and thousands and thousands of people have been impacted by the message of the gospel far more than we could have ever imagined or seen had we been meeting in our own buildings. And we are believing that many, many people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ, even today as the gospel is shared. The fact remains, the tomb is empty, Jesus is alive, the resurrection is not canceled, and God is at work. I think we would all agree these past few weeks have been such a mix of both blessings and curses, right? Extra time with family is a blessing, but extra time with family is challenging. There's so many different mixes of that right now. Um, I think this prayer sums it up really, really well. Go ahead and watch this. Let us pray. Father God, I am a child of God. What I am not is a homeschool teacher, God. I'm at home, but Lord, ain't no teaching going on around here. Father God, I am your humble servant. What I am not is a math teacher, God. Lord God, the spirit of common core has attacked our household. And right now, the only thing we have in common is frustration and no answer to the math problem, Lord God. I ask that you send down your angels of the carryover, Lord. Teacher, that if you carry the one over to the tenth place, you can get the answer, Lord God. Lord God, I am a layman in your vineyard. What I am not is the cafeteria lady, Lord. Yet again, the devil has attacked and sent down a tapeworm onto my child, Lord God. And I need you to help her to understand, Lord, that just because there's a refrigerator 
don't mean the door got to be open. And just because there's a stove don't mean the eye has to be on. I am not Dennis, IHOP, Shoney's, nor Waffle House, Lord God. Lord God, right now, I need her to understand that his times are tough right now, Lord God. But I see if things continue the way that they are going, Lord God. Not only am I your child, but I'm going to be an inmate because I'm going to jail, Lord God. I, I don't look good in orange. I don't look good in a jumpsuit, Lord God. But Lord, I ask that you, that you change the way things are going right now, Father God, and bless every teacher because they got a special place in heaven. Ain't no way that I could do it, Lord God. Ain't no way. Amen. 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 Well, we can all relate, right? Um, the good with the bad. And if we're honest, I think we can all sense that God is at work right now, but also so many things are against us. And a few weeks ago, I found myself wrestling with that tension, just going, God, I can expose myself to all the things that could bring fear and possibly rattle my faith, or I can stick my head in the sand and ignore what's going on. But I feel like God, God gave me a third way, a third option, and he gave me two different realizations. The first one is this, that it's good to know what we're up against. You know, it doesn't help us any to stick our head in the sand. It's good to know what we're up against. Um, when I was in junior high and high school, I played a lot of, of basketball. And especially in high school, we had an arch rival, an enemy. And every time we played them, they crushed us. But we always wanted to know who is our opponent? Who are we going up against? Uh, you'll be glad to know that we did eventually get them. You'll have to ask me about that story. But we don't want to ignore our enemy. We want to know what we're up against. And the second realization was this. Uh, when knowing what we're up against doesn't diminish God's power, it only makes it stronger. See, what I was misunderstanding was I was putting my trust in my faith and not in my God. See, the size of our problems doesn't determine or change the size of God's power. It only makes it stronger. So we don't ignore our enemies. We face what's in front of us but we recognize that it just only makes God's power even stronger. So today we have hope because we have a risen Savior who has overcome, and His name is Jesus. So what I want to do for just the next few minutes is I want to talk about the reason for our hope. Um, A.W. Tozer, in his book, Knowledge of the Holy, said, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. He said, we tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. So what comes to your mind when you think about God? And if you think that God is distant and God is cold and God is uncaring, your life will, be, will reflect that you'll tend to move toward that image of God. If you think that God is close and good and helpful, your life will tend to reflect, reflect they'll tend to move toward that in your life. See, it all depends on the story that you're telling yourself about who you are, who God is, and how the world works. See, there's basically two different narratives that people believe. The first narrative, the first story, goes something like this. Um, life is mainly about us. All there is is the here and now. There's nothing beyond this life, and our main goal of this life is our own happiness. 
Um, we win, so to speak, by getting to the end with the most pleasure, the most toys, the most experiences. If God does exist, for the most part, we think He's distant. We sometimes thank Him for the good things, and most of the time we simply blame Him, though, when things are up against us. Death and disease and the storms our life we recognize are just a part of the human experience. If God does exist, we wonder why He doesn't stop these things. And if He doesn't exist, we recognize we're basically here to fend for ourselves and to do what we have to do and make life what we make it. That's the first story many people tell themselves about the world. The second story goes something like this. There is a God, and He is close and personal. That You can know Him, and not only can you know Him, but you were created to have a relationship with Him. See, we once had this perfect relationship with God. Everything was perfect. And we long to get back to that garden relationship where we walk with God and we talk with God just like we would any other person. And with God, all of our insecurities and fears and anxieties, they melt away because we see who God made us to be and we see who God is. That's why there's something inside of us that says something is wrong and broken with the world. Because we long for this relationship to be restored. It's one of the reasons why we look at all the evil in the the world and go, this is not the way it should be because we recognize that things should be different than they are. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God has made everything beautiful in its time and he's also set eternity in the hearts of men. And yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. See, this narrative, this story reminds us that God is in control, that there's a divine purpose and plan taking place, and we're moving towards something, that we were created to be in a relationship with God, and not only just to be with God, but to be with God forever. That right now is temporary. What we see is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. See, there really is an epic battle taking place, And there's things that we see on the surface, but it's really kind of a shell game. See, the enemy wants us to look at these things, but there's something bigger going on. It's a battle for our soul. It's a battle for our relationship with God. And the writer of the book of Hebrews, we're going to go to Hebrews, sorry, Romans, Romans chapter 8. You can grab your Bible and open up to Romans chapter 8. But the writer of the book of Romans puts it this way. He describes this battle and he says this, Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say in response to all of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? See, what he's recognizing is that there are things that are against us, fighting against us, battling against us. But if God is for us, he says, what or who can be against us. We have nothing to be afraid of. See, it's good for us to know what we're up against. And in this unfolding plan, this narrative, as it plays out, we recognize there's a battle taking place, but it's not exactly what you think it is. It's actually a battle to separate us from God. And there are forces at work and at play that are doing everything they can to keep you from God. You may have never thought of it this way before, but let me point some of these things out to you about what is against you. First of all, we do have a spiritual enemy, and his whole goal is to separate you from God. 
And he was there present in the garden saying to Adam and Eve, simply just this little question, did God really say? And all he has to do is get you to doubt God and trust yourself. And he wins. He begins driving that wedge. Did God really say, can you really trust God? Is God really good? And some of his tactics are discouragement and doubt and fear. All things that the enemy uses to try to separate you from God. He'll use insecurity and hurt and betrayal. And all these things are problems because they seek to separate us from God. See, God's plan stretches beyond the here and now. And God has made a way so that death does not have to be something that separates us. doesn't have the final say And so for the Christian, even death, and while these things are sad, right, what makes them a problem is that they threaten to separate us from God. See, and while these things are are a problem for most people, for the Christian, they shouldn't cause us to fear because we recognize what Paul says, that to depart from the body is to be present with the Lord. But the reason that these things are a problem, especially for the non-Christian, is because they threaten to separate us from God, not just for a little while, but forever, for eternity. So we've got to see the bigger unfolding story of what's taking place. See, death and disease are not part of God's original plan. And they they are against us, seeking to destroy us and our relationship with God. We've got to fight for this and fight this battle to be with God. See, this is why the resurrection of Jesus, the bodily resurrection of Jesus, is such a big deal because it proves Jesus' power over the grave. See, sin ushered in death and disease, and the wages of sin is death. We will all one day die physically, but that is not the end. Even death can't touch Jesus. That is where our hope is. See, lastly, there's our own sin our own temptations, our own sinful and selfish desires toward immoral and impure things. These also battle within us, and sin separates us from God. See, the battle is not what you think it is. The battle is not to get our life back to normal and continue to pursue the American dream. That is not the battle. The battle is for our souls. The battle is for the whole goal of the enemy, to fight against the enemy, to keep us from God. See, even think about these past few weeks. Um, I'm sure that you've seen and sensed things at work working against you. I want you to post in the comments, answer this question. What enemies have you sensed working against you these past few weeks? See, what I love and what I believe God wants us to know today is, friends, that all these things are against us but we are not afraid for, and we are not destroyed because of this huge, amazing truth. The truth is God is for us. God is for us. Romans 8.31 again says, What then shall we say in response to all of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? See, it really, really matters what story you're telling yourself. The first one or the second one. Is God for you or is God against you? And I love the way that this comes across in the message translation 
um, of Romans 8, 31 to 36. It says, so what, what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't do and gladly freely and give for us? And who would dare to tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? And who would dare even point a finger, the one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, that is Jesus, is in the presence of God at this very moment standing up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There's no way, no trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in the Bible. goes on to say in the NIV, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation, no matter what we might face, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, these things are trying to separate us from God, but they can't because God is for us. So what, do you, what would you add to that list? Maybe you see other things at work trying to separate you from God. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's addictions. Maybe it's isolation or distraction or apathy or even shame and guilt. But they can't separate you. God is for you. See, I think the real struggle, the real internal struggle, and the question is simply this, is God really for me? I want to give you two reasons that prove without a shadow of a doubt that God is for you. The first one is the cross of Jesus. The cross of Jesus shows God's love and proves that God is for you. 2 Corinthians 5 reminds us of this. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, and all this is from God. God who reconciled himself to us through Christ and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. God is for you. He's not coming to show you all your sin. He's saying, I want to save you and rescue you and be reconciled to you. God is for you. The cross proves to us God's love and that he is for us. Now, the empty tomb of Jesus shows God's power. And it proves that nothing can be against us. If Jesus could rise from the dead, then nothing is impossible for God. There's a story told of a Muslim man who became a Christian in Africa. And some of his friends asked him the question, why have you become a Christian? And he answered by telling this story. Well, it's like this. Suppose you were going down a road and suddenly uh, there's a fork in the road in two different directions. And you didn't know which way to go. And there at the fork on the road were two men, one dead and one alive. He asked this question, which one would you ask for the way to go? 
And it doesn't matter what virus, what fear, what is possibly up against you right now. If God is for you, it doesn't stand a chance because God is with you. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 57 just kind of describes all of this. Just listen to this and what's going on. It says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, talking about death, but we will all be changed in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. And when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying it is written will come true. Death was swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? And where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the, the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the writer in Romans is asking a, a, a rhetorical question. And the only logical answer is this, that if God is for us, then nothing can be against us. There's something really powerful about saying this out loud. And I want you to believe it in your heart. I want you to say this with me out loud. If God is for me, then who can be against me? Go ahead and say it. Go ahead and post it in the comments. If God is for us, then who can be against us? Nothing is against us. No fear, no danger, not even death, because Jesus has overcome. If God is for us, then who can be against us? And but I know, if you're anything like me, these past few weeks have been challenging, kind of a roller coaster of good days and bad days. But I think it's a blessing because it's showing us some things. And I've been challenged with questions of, of my faith in God and just really where my trust is. And can we really go through hardships and still depend on God? And one of the pictures that the Bible gives of who God is, um, is a good shepherd. And I bet God challenged me with the question, Josh, I know that you have like a mental um, agreement and belief that I'm your shepherd. Like, hey, yeah, great. God's my shepherd, you know, Psalm 23. But God's been challenging me, just saying, Josh, do you have a calmness or a peace in your spirit that shows um, that you really do believe that I'm your shepherd? Like, Josh, do you really believe and trust that I will guide you, that I will give you strength, that I will provide for you, and no matter what, um, that you're okay? And my answer is yes. Like, God, I'm not always there, but, but help me and, and help me to trust you. I believe there are many of you watching right now that just need to be encouraged with that. That you need a touch from God right now. That you just have that calmness in your spirit to say, God, I trust you as my shepherd. No matter what I see, no matter what's going on, I trust you as my shepherd. Maybe some of you are watching and you need a healing touch. Like you need God to heal you right now. Heal you of fear and anxiety or heal you physically. Maybe you're sick right now. Maybe you're, you're struggling right now. But just, and I just want to encourage you to reach out your hand to the screen and just say, God, please save me. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Please change me. Please encourage me. John 10, uh, 10 through 11 summarizes all this really well. Um, Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to rip us away from God. 
But Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. See, we're made to be with God. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Yes, I trust you, Jesus, as my shepherd. And he says, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. See, it really matters what story, what narrative you're believing and telling yourself about the world. Is this about the surface stuff or is this about something bigger? I believe it's about something bigger. Um, Christians use a word, uh, it's kind of a church word, but it's the word gospel. It just comes from the original Greek and we just say gospel, but gospel literally means good news. And here's the good news. Here's what it is. That here's, here's what's going on. That God created the heavens and the earth. God created everything. And He created you and He created me. And He said at the beginning it was very, very good. See, man, uh, God created us in His image. We are essentially His image bearers. We're given the task of representing Him in the world. And when we, when we misrepresent God, that's called sin. And when we don't do this well, uh, it separates us from God. God trusted us to represent Him, but by our own free will and choice, we choose not to trust Him, and we choose instead to trust ourselves. We willfully choose to rebel against God and do it our own way. But even in that, God is still fighting for us. See, the two greatest words in human history are these, but God. See, God in His mercy and grace didn't leave us and our relationship broken, but He came to us. He came into the mess. He initiated the restoration of that relationship. He drew near. He was for us, and He made a way like only He could. He gave up Himself as a perfect sacrifice for our sin. He gave himself as a ransom to set us free. Jesus' death on the cross took our place. His resurrection shows not only that he is over everything, but that God approves of his sacrifice for our sins, and even death doesn't have a hold on Jesus. And our response to all of this is not to say, man, God, I've got to get my act cleaned up before I can come to you. No, God wants us to come to him just as we are. Our only response is to be overwhelmed in worship and, and reverence and say, God, I receive this by faith. We don't have to do anything extra. Just simply receive it by faith. See, think about it this way. If you gave a gift to your kids, you wouldn't expect them to go have to earn that. You just want them to receive that. And God in His grace and His love and His mercy says, I want to do this for you. I want to restore our broken relationship. And we simply say, yes, yes. Come into my life. See, the truth of Easter is this. God is for you, and nothing can be against you. If God is for you, then nothing can be against you. So I want to close with this. Two things. First of all, two different groups of people. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you've made that decision to receive the gift of God's grace, I want to encourage you, nothing can be against you. You have power and authority in Jesus' name. You are loved, saved, empowered, and set free in Jesus' name. Live and walk in that truth every single day. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. 
And I want to challenge you to be encouraged. And I want to challenge you to renew your commitment to follow Jesus. What the world needs right now is sold out, committed followers of Jesus. People who will walk by faith and not by sight. People who are not afraid, but full of faith. People who are willing to show God's love and God's generosity in difficult times. And I just want to encourage you, if that is you right now today, that you would declare once again that I am all in. You go ahead and post it in the comments. Just declare all in, all in. Even there in your living room, right now, wherever you are, declare I am all in. And Heavenly Father, I pray right now for those who are followers of Jesus. God, empower your people to live by faith that you are for us and therefore nothing can be against us. The enemy will try, but he will not succeed because you are with us. And right now today, I want to speak to those who know that God is not for them or believe that God is not for them. Maybe you sense and recognize that you have not asked for God's grace and that if you acknowledge it, your sin does separate you from God. Maybe you feel far and distant. Maybe you haven't accepted the grace of God demonstrated in Jesus, and because of that, you are separated from Him. But something inside of you is stirring right now. You have a desire to be forgiven of your sins, to be made right with God, and to be brought into a saving relationship with Him, and you recognize that that's you. I want to ask you, wherever you are right now, to pray this prayer from your heart with me. Just simply pray out loud. Pray, Heavenly Father, I believe that you are for me. And I believe Jesus died for me. I believe that you raised him from the dead. Thank you for saving me. Please, Come into my life and be the ruler of my heart and make me brand new. I give you my life in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer just now for the first time and sincerely meant it from your heart, welcome to the family of God. We celebrate with you.